So this morning, we're talking about mission. And uh, I don't know what comes in your head, but have you ever heard of a person... Well, when when you think of the word mission... What do you think about? Is it something that really matters to you or is it something that's for someone else? But you know, God is at work in people's lives even when we don't see it happening. And uh, it might, see, might look like they're totally disinterested, not interested, they're a million miles away from God. But you never know what God is going to do in someone's life in the future. And uh, there's a couple of people I know they can answer yes to this moment but has anyone ever heard of the guy called Albert McMakin? Anyone? Excellent. Well, Albert McMakin was this guy. He was in his 20s, somewhere around the 50s, the 1950s, the middle of last century, which when you say that, it seems like such a long time ago. But anyway, there was this guy called Albert McMakin, and he was a farmer in sort of somewhere in America, the farming area of America. You can tell I know the story amazingly well. But anyway... He loved God, and he decided, and in those days, they would have like big tent crusades. So imagine Chichester, Priory Park, they've got this massive tent to fit thousands of people in, and all you needed to do was invite your friends, and they'd just come along and hear the gospel. Well, Albert McMakin was one of those Christians who invited loads of people, and um, one of the things he did, there was one guy that he couldn't reach. For whatever reason, this guy just went, nah, I'm not interested. Take the others, I'm not coming. But Albert McMakin was after him. And he said, I'll tell you what, I won't say his name just yet. I'll tell you what, mate, he said, why don't you come, but you can drive my truck. Now, I know that wouldn't interest us unless they had like a Aston Martin or some posh car like that. But the old truck of those days was the Aston Martin of today. So this guy said, I'll tell you what, I'll come. So anyway, Albert loads up the van with all these people, this truck, loads of people, health and safety weren't an issue, put them in. I don't even know if his mate could drive. But anyway, his mate gets in the seat and drives them to this big tent crusade. And he goes in and he hears the gospel. And this guy goes to the front and gets saved. What an amazing story, right? No one's heard of Albert McMakin. But the guy who drove the the truck was a guy called Billy Graham. And we all know... I won't ask for a show of hands, but I imagine almost every one of us have heard of Billy Graham and the tens and hundreds of thousands of people who have heard the gospel through his ministry and many, many thousands of people getting saved. What an amazing story. So you just don't know what God is doing in people's lives around us. So I want, I've got three points this morning. One, what is the mission? Two, whose mission is it? And the third one, how does that affect you and me? And when we think of the word mission, as I said earlier, what what does that make us think like? Well, John Lewis, they have a mission statement, and they have three pillars that they talk about. One is happier people, two is happier world, and the third one, probably their most important one, is happier business. And to be fair, you know, I don't know whether you shop in John Lewis or pop in there from time to time. I haven't been for a while, but I've been known to wander into the shop. And whenever I go in there, the person at the front, often I've noticed one particular guy, they pretty much nailed it with this happier stuff, like he's frighteningly happy. You know that sort of person, just a little bit over the top, right? But anyway, they're doing their best. But the further on in the store you go, I think it probably falls a bit flat, but they're trying. 
What do you think when you hear the word mission? What does it conjure up in your mind? Is it something that we, we do overseas? Is it something that we give money to? Is it something of a bygone era, like the Billy Graham era, or you know, that sort of thing? Or do we think, yeah, well, it is, I know it is connected to the local church, but do you know what? It's not really me. It's for, the, it's for the young ones. It's for the enthusiastic new Christians. Or it's for the extrovert, those ones who are right out there and ready to give it their all. Sometimes I think of it like, no, I don't think of it like this, right? Let me just restate. Have you ever been in a, have you ever heard of the word chuggers? Good, good, <laughs> good. Well, sometimes you could be walking along. It certainly happened a lot in London. Um, I haven't really seen it too much here in Chichester, but chuggers, they'd be someone who stands in the street and as you walk by, they have got the biggest smile on their faces and they're bounding up in front of you. Hi! And you know they're called chuggers because they're charity muggers, right? So they're, they're working for a charity, you know, the National Defence League for the for the cat's tail or something like that, you know, some random charity, and all they want to do is get your £10 a month, right? They want you to turn up, hi, how are you doing? Come over here. You know, that's the sort of approach they take. I mean, fair play to them. They, they are giving it their all. And there were loads of them in London. And you know, whenever I face that situation, you know, I start making up a plan. You know, what am I going to do? How am I going to avoid these people? Do I my head down or... Am I going to just like, make sure I make no eye contact? Or worst case scenario, if there's two of them, I've got to cross the road. Right, but there's something I need to do to avoid this. And of course, mission is not really like that. It's not meant to be like that. And part of the joy of going through the values here at Grace Church is that they're aspirational values. We know the gospel. We know we need the gospel every day. It's good news for you and me every day of our lives. All that we are and we do needs to be gospel-shaped and gospel-centred. And our aim is to reflect the power of the gospel in our lives individually and together. And yet we know, I know anyway, for me, I don't always quite attain to those levels. I don't quite get there every day. So sometimes, like this is something we're aiming towards. It's an aspirational value. We're not fully there yet. Being gospel, knowing the gospel is what we need to really be able to be missional. Devoted to the word enables us to be missional. So the first point, mission, what is the mission? And our mission is to declare and demonstrate the gospel. It is pretty obvious to point to Jesus in the way that we live our lives and also just to tell people about Jesus. Let's talk about the first verse, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, to declare Jesus. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There it is, lovely, nice and simple, all packaged in three verses. Go and make learners of Christ. We are sent to others. Go. The gospel is for all who are far off. The gospel of Jesus came to you and to me to go to others. 
When I first became a Christian, one Sunday night when I was 24 years of age, the guy who helped me to know Jesus, he said, now go and tell someone. And you know, I was in a bit of a daze, but I went and told a few people who I never really knew. But it was a great bit of advice to go and tell some people about Jesus, because this is the best news ever. Acts 1 verse 8 says, go and receive, when you receive power, go throughout the earth. But there is more than just going and telling the story of Jesus. We're to demonstrate the gospel. Micah 6, 6 to 8 says, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. God is after our lives that reflect him, full of mercy and specifically to act justly. Obviously, we would have heard this when we started talking about our vision uh, last year or when it, yeah, last year. And that's also part of our value, isn't it? To act justly. Stand in the gap for the widow, the poor, the fatherless, the foreigner. Our mission is to reflect Jesus and to demonstrate Jesus also in our love for one another. John 13, 34 and 35 says this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And our loving one another points to Jesus. And that's what struck me when I became a Christian. I don't know your story, I know maybe a few of them. That these people in this particular church in South London actually looked like and actually did care for one another. Now, the first few weeks, it was perfect I soon got to realise it is not perfect, the church. I'm part of it. Of course it's not. You are too. We let each other down. We disappoint each other from time to time. But the overarching expression is of a love for one another. The culture today is largely about self, individualism. The digital age, which I'm not an expert, surprisingly, you know, it's about having our own way, about ourselves, all about me. And it breaks down community. It's frightening, probably. I don't know if you get that email or a message that says, how many hours a day you spent on screens? Do you get that? Does anyone know how to block it? Because I'd like to block it. It's a slightly scary thing every Monday. Oh, oh we've gone down a bit. That's good. But do you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of hours we spend on our screens which are very insular and very individual. And it can bring isolation and it can bring despair and disappointment. But what an opportunity of hope with the gospel for people who are separated, who are in isolation, who don't know what community is really like. You might not realise it, but the family of God is such an attractive thing, such a wonderful thing, but you and I together can display and are displaying the love of God to people around us. There's our mission, to tell others of this glorious, wonderful, 
life-changing news, to stand in the gap for those who are unable to do so for themselves and to love one another and point people to Jesus. It's quite remarkable that people, you know, we probably don't realise it, but people are looking in on our lives. You know, why have they got 10 cars outside their house tonight? Small things like that. Oh, it's just some people from church come round. Point two, the mission belongs to God. The mission we are called to partake in can seem overwhelming. Those things I've just said, you know, tell people about Jesus, act justly, and display the love of God within the family of God. It can seem overwhelming, but reminding ourselves today, it's God's mission. It's all about God, and it's all about his greatness. It does not depend upon you, which I'm delighted in. It doesn't matter how clever you are, how personable you are, or even how gifted you are. And if you are gifted, praise God, because it's all of God anyway. Don't make it about ourselves. Don't make it about me. Point people to Jesus. Of course, tell your story where it's relevant. Tell your friend. Tell your work colleague. Tell people in the shop what God has done in your life and what he's done in others' lives. I love telling stories of other people in this church when God is meeting with them. Last week, just an opportunity, someone, I can't remember the circumstances, but I was able to just tell the story of Jenny Reese and her story of not having cancer. Praise God for that. But always give God the glory. Point them to Jesus. It belongs to God right from the outset. The nations belong to him. God is about something far bigger, far greater than you or I could ever imagine. It's not just an idea from Billy Graham or J. John or someone else like that. It's not even a New Testament idea. This is throughout the Bible. This is God's mission and God's plan. Genesis 12, 1 to 3. The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. God will draw the nations to become one nation in God. It's bigger than Abraham. It goes way beyond our generation. It goes way beyond, obviously, from previous generations. It's for every generation. God spoke to Abraham, your offspring, those who will inherit the kingdom of God, are more numerous than the stars. And you might be like me and you don't have the, you know, I'm not one who loves looking at the stars. You know, I know they're there and they are great. I do get it. I know the problem is mine. But, you know, you might be those who go, wow, you know, you're lying down on West Whittering Beach midnight one night. This is, this is remarkable. And we're just getting a little glimpse, a small glimpse of what God is about. The universe and the galaxies, he's going to have a people of his own, far greater than the stars in all of the universes and galaxies. It's indescribable what God is doing. 1 Chronicles 16 says this, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of his wonderful acts, glory in his name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory amongst the nations, his marvellous deeds 
among <clears throat> excuse me, all the peoples. Make God known. <clears throat> Declare his glory. Proclaim his salvation. These verses are all about the Lord. God's plan throughout the Bible, pointing to Jesus throughout the Old Testament. Final verse. There's loads more, but the final verse I'm going to read us out this morning. Psalm from the Old Testament. Don't worry, you're not getting off lightly. Psalm 22, 27. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. If you're in any doubt, the ends of the earth, all the nations, this is no small thing. We can easily think, I'm not getting anywhere. When are the crowds going to come flocking in? God's word says all will bow before him. And as we think about mission, keep reminding yourself this is God's mission. It's about him. It's the biggest, grandest movement ever. And you and I are a part of it. We live, you and I, inside the greatest story ever. Full stop. Revelation 7, 9 and 10 says this. Again, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. From Genesis to Revelation, the mission of God. And then God draws us into this amazing story. It's God's mission. It's God's story. It's all about him. It always has been and it always will be. It's uncontainable. It's vast beyond you and I, the most creative person in the room, the most creative five people in the room. It's bigger, wilder than you can ever possibly imagine. Here's a little quote from John Piper. He says this, The goal of mission is simply this, to bring the nations into the white-hot enjoyment of God's glory, the gladness of the peoples in the greatness of God, his glory, our good. And this morning in worship, I reckon many of us had a little glimpse of the glory of God and what it's going to be like, a glimpse, a little glimpse. What a story. And we live in a culture the saturated, I said it a little bit earlier, and even obsessed with themselves. Many think about that five minutes of fame, you know. Many people do. We're not the hero of the story, though. Jesus is the hero of the story. We're not the main character. We join in on God's story. And it's not about us asking God to come and join us on our story and our mission. We're joining in on God's mission. We're joining in on the biggest relay race the world has ever seen. I love the Olympics and all that stuff, but we're part of a relay race that goes from generation to generation. And the baton was passed on through Moses and the prophets. Everything was then accomplished in Jesus on the cross, his death and resurrection. And then Jesus passed the baton on to the early disciples. And then it's being passed on from generation to generation. And it's passed on to us. The mission of God passed on to us. And then it'll be passed on to someone else, the next generation. 
The gospel came to you and me that it might go to others. So how is mission central to you and I at Grace Church? How does this affect us in Chichester in 2023? Or you as an individual? Let's say we've understood our part in the mission. And we're growing and grasping the vastness of God's mission. Where do we go from here? How do we apply it every day of our lives, in our very day-after-day existence, mundane or otherwise? 2 Corinthians 5, 17-20 says this. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. When you first become a Christian, this is one of the earlier verses that goes on the, you do an alpha course, you do the beta course, and you will definitely hear this. This is something we should get into us, whether we're six weeks into being a Christian or 60 years. We're ambassadors for Christ, messengers of God. It's all from God that says, and we're the messengers of reconciliation. We are his ambassadors. And what an honour and privilege and joy that is. We don't go on our own authority. Praise God for that. We're commissioned people. We're people who are sent by the King of Kings. There can't be much of a higher calling anywhere. We represent Jesus. If you are here this morning and you're a Premier League footballer, you're an ambassador for Christ. No one's raised their hand. I don't think there's any amongst us this week. (laughs) Or last week, to be honest. Anyway, you might have that high-value job. But you're also an ambassador of Christ if you've got what other people consider a lowly existence. You're an ambassador for Jesus. Whoever you are, whatever you do or don't do, this is who we are. Wherever we go... On our good days and not so good days, we are ambassadors for Christ. Matthew 5, 13 to 16 says this. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead... They put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is our calling. This is our mission, to be the salt of the earth, to shine. Salt is a preservative. We are to affect society in our neighbourhood, in our streets where we live, with our family, at the school gate, in your place of employment. It's really a long-haul game. It's about the, rest, the next five years, the next ten years. We keep doing good. We keep displaying the fruit of the Spirit. 
It's a lifestyle where we're showing these people Jesus wherever we go, in every circumstance, in every situation. I want to be the person that my neighbours and friends turn to when life is tough. And you can be sure of this. Life, if it isn't tough right now, will be at some point. And I want to be that person they turn to. And they'll only turn to me if I've made it clear through my actions, through my deeds, through my kind acts, through my words, that they know that I'm a follower of Jesus. And maybe, just maybe, I've got something that they want and they need. We can be the chaplain in the street where we live, the place where we work. And I really think this is true. We, we can be like the thermostat in our environment, wherever that is. You know, we're the ones who regulate stuff. We don't want to give in to being in a, you know, having a cup of tea with some work colleagues and joining in with the gossip and putting people down. We can rise above that and we can set the temperature because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. John 20, 21 says, Peace, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus sends you and me into the harvest. It's an adventure, but it's also mundane. It could be sitting in for a neighbour as they say, can you wait in for that Amazon parcel? And they might even forget to say thank you. It can be as mundane as that. It could be praying for the sick. We had a word earlier about a rise of faith to pray for people. Someone says, oh, so-and-so's ill. Can I pray? Or they're ill. Can I pray? It might be avoiding gossip at the school gate or in your workplace or with your family. Or it could be explaining the whole counsel of God because the person is just desperate for God. It can be any of those things and many more. I'm sure you can think of lots of other examples of ways we can influence people and be on the mission of God. Paul wrote this to the church at Corinth. I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but it is God who gives the growth. Only God causes the growth. We're a sent people. The part God has given us, that's what he's called us to. But let's be sure and certain it is only God who can cause the growth. And, you know, you might have had this situation, I've certainly had it, where I thought, ah, oh, I've nailed it. I've got all the points of the gospel in. I've said it with such conviction. They've got to become a Christian. Never seen them again in my life. And then there are other times where you think, oh, I totally messed that up. I, you know, I have no idea what the Trinity's about anymore. You know, they don't, for sure, after what I've just said. And yet, somehow, I've planted, someone else has watered, and God causes the growth. We're to be a people that follow where God is at work through the Holy Spirit. He wants us to have ears that hear the small, still voice of God in many situations. John 5:19. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing, because what the Father does, the Son also does. We want to follow the leading of God, whether that is 
individually or as a church. What worked in Billy McMakin's day probably won't work today. If we put up a tent in Priory Park, you might not fill your car. Even what we did in the 80s and 90s, things change. They may not work today. We have to be culturally relevant. Know what's going on. Understand the times we live in. But the gospel remains the same. We need to be emboldened with the gospel because the truth of the gospel remains. So we need to figure out how do we reach people today? And it is about being genuine, isn't it? It's about being winsome. Serve people. Deliver acts of kindness. Love the marginalised. Let your friends see the real you. And they will ask questions. I think... I don't think it's as difficult as I often imagine it to be, following the lead of the Holy Spirit. Because I don't think it means, you know, sitting in a quiet room on your own for two hours before you go shopping. Although that wouldn't be a bad thing, right? Two hours with God. But I don't think it quite means that. I think it is when someone says to you, I feel so unwell. Or my marriage is in a bit of a mess or my, my aunt is unwell, or whatever it might be. My dad's in hospital. New neighbours move in. What can I do, God? What can I do? Maybe a bunch of flowers. Small things like that. What did you do the weekend? Here's your opportunity. Share what you did. Share what you did this morning. Spend time with people. Invite them into your home. Take people out for coffee. And you'll know the prompting of the Holy Spirit will help you to know when to go deeper, when to push the certain questions. It becomes clear when we're listening to God what God is doing in people's lives. And be patient. Maybe at this time with your neighbours, excuse me, you're just planting or someone else will water in the years to come. God is not after specialists to do the work. He wants you and me to be workers in the harvest. It says the workers are few, the harvest is plentiful. And at Grace Church, so us as a community here in Chichester, we do things like run alpha courses, beta courses. There's little bears that people come along to that and and find their way into the life of church. We put on a comedy night a few weeks back where we can invite people into a space where they see us enjoying ourselves and being normal. It's a step towards us loving people towards Jesus. We want to create an environment for people to see the church in action, to see there's something different about the family of God. It's more than just providing a service. We want to reveal the love of God to people. We want to push doors to see what God is doing. Can we do a life skills course? What are the things that we can push and ask God? Is this what you're leading us towards? How can we serve the local community? We already engage with Food Bank and Heart and Stone Pillow and different, on different levels. Our cry is, God, open the door for us in our community to demonstrate the gospel. Opportunities to declare Jesus. And we do this Sunday after Sunday This is a great place to invite our friends to. This is a place to encounter God. And we all have a part to play in that, each one of us, 
Invite people. Serve people who come amongst us. You know, if someone invites their friends on a Sunday, we all have a part to play. You might be serving in the kids' work. You might be pouring teas and coffees. It's not you who's brought the friend, but we're playing a part. With our, with our friendliness, our smile, we want to engage people. Is God stirring you towards something right here in Chichester? He's put something on your heart. You might think, oh, it's just a small thing. Don't despise small beginnings. Just obey God. He causes the growth. Remember, it's God's mission. And the baton is in our hands for a short while. Maybe you have said, I don't know enough. Or my life doesn't quite match up. My life is a bit of a mess. I've failed with this loads of times. The gospel is the power of God to those who believe. It is in God's power, not your articulation. What we need, though, is the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples, wait for the promised Holy Spirit. And over the next few years, the disciples turned the world, the known world, upside down. And this this is going to be a short point, but I think it's important. If at this time you don't cherish the gospel, and it's very... Because then if you don't, it's quite difficult to commend the gospel. And if you're bored, you think, well, I've been doing this for 20 odd years or more. And like, yeah, yeah, I've heard it before. We need to again ignite something that cherishes the gospel that enables us to share with others. That doesn't mean, let me just be clear, that, that doesn't mean that you're happy all the time. And that every week you're 10 out of 10, you're smashing it, your family life is perfect, your relationships with everyone is perfect. It doesn't mean that. It means that deep within, in your innermost being, I know this is what I'm living for. I'm living for Jesus, even if there's a bit of mess around me. I know I fall short, but we can introduce people to Jesus, because that's where people's lives are at as well. Can we respond to this call of God on our lives for mission? Are you in a space where you can really commend Jesus to others? If at the moment you feel like, well, I don't cherish Jesus the way I'd like, well, we can encounter God right now, right today, because in a moment he can come alongside us and stir us and change us. And today I want us to make sure we don't leave this place without encountering God, if that's you. Are we asking God for opportunities on a daily basis or a weekly basis? Are we looking for them? Are we seeing where God is at work? We want to engage with God, don't we? We, we want to see many, many people. This, I'd love it, wouldn't you, if this room was packed? You're thinking, I've got a gear at half nine to get a parking space. I better get in the meeting before 10 to 10 because there won't be many seats. I'm longing for those days that right across our nation that people are turning to God. We, have a great, we are part of a great story, God's story, the mission of Jesus to tell others. What a beautiful thing to tell people you can have eternal life. I've got some news for you that will change everything. We all watch the news and we can see The world's in a mess, and there's lots of uncertainty, there's lots of fear, 
anxiety, and that's even just locally. Well, we have a message that can change lives and change people's destination. And what we're going to do, um, we, we're going to share communion together. And I think it's a good way to, as we talk about mission, is to, is to take communion. And because when we, when we take communion, it's a statement, isn't it? I belong to God. This is not just the thing we do and add on for the last five minutes of the meeting. This is saying, I'm a child of God. I've put my trust in Jesus. So if today you're not a Christian, just observe. Watch this. This, is, this, is, this bit is not for you. This is for someone who says, Jesus, you're my all in all, and I'm following you. And it says this in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so if you are one of those people who say, I don't yet know Jesus, I'm on a journey, and you want to take that step of faith and say, I want to put my trust in him, then this can be a step of faith for you to take communion, a way of saying, Jesus, I'm coming to you. I believe what the Bible tells me and what my friends have told me about Jesus. So Simo and the band, if you could come up, that would be brilliant. So this moment of sharing communion is living proof that mission works. You're here and I'm here because someone told you about the gospel. Christ laid down his life for you and me. He shed his blood for you and me. Verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 11 says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There's a proclamation in taking communion. And we're proclaiming it one to another. But we're also proclaiming this wonderful truth to a dying world. Let's, let's take the bread, Jesus' body given for us. The blood of Jesus shed for you and me. Jesus, we are so grateful. We are totally indebted to you. You've paid the price. You paid the price that we should have paid. You took our place. And we come right now and, and give thanks to you for what you've done. Lord, we, we celebrate together. Lord, we're the family of God, the local expression of God. And saying we love you. We're so grateful. And Lord, I pray as we proclaim this, there's that, that sense of proclamation. Lord, you'd fill us with your spirit that we might be men and women who hear your voice to tell others, Lord, the gospel came to us and we, we are so grateful. And Lord, help us, Lord, that we might be ambassadors for you as we go from this place, that we might be those who 
share the best news ever. There's nothing like the, the eternal news of God. There's nothing like knowing salvation, taking people from death to life. It's your message, God. And Lord, may we run with the baton in our hand, run hard and fast for you, Jesus. Help us in these things. Let's, let's finish our time by coming before God and worshipping him and thanking him for all that he's done. Amen.